So our final session for the day is called The Great Satanic Reset. And so uh, I get into this in volumes, er, chapters 2 and 3 of volume 2. And uh, so I just want to highlight a few things that indicate that we are living in a time of historic change. One of the biggest indicators that we are living in the last of the last days is all that has happened really in the last three or four years. Um, the world is changing faster and more radically than at any other time in human history, so much so, in fact, that major news outlets and key world figures are suggesting that we start using B.C. before COVID and A.C. after COVID to reckon time. Here's the New York Times, our new historical divide, B.C. and A.C., the world before corona and the world after. Here's Financial Times of London, B.C., A.C., before and after covid um, uh, Michelle Bachman, I heard her say on an interview with Jan Markell, quote, we are literally watching the twilight of Western civilization. Uh, I agree, except I would say we're literally watching the twilight of all civilization. We are heading into the final one year, I mean, one world system, the seven year uh, plan for the Antichrist. So as we think about what I'm going to be Presenting in this session, I want to remind you of, of a principle from Scripture found in Proverbs 22.3, and that is that a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. Evil in the Hebrew context here means trouble, difficulty, danger. It doesn't mean a moral component. It's talking about difficulty. But the simple pass on and are punished. Another translation puts it this way. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Another principle uh, along the same lines, is that a prudent man is going to act with knowledge, but a fool lays open his folly. Or again, a paraphrase, a wise man thinks ahead, a fool doesn't, and even brags about it. And that's what a lot of people are doing today. And so uh, what I encourage us to think about is the words in 1 Thessalonians 5, where it talks about being awake and being asleep, and it says, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. I did a podcast a couple weeks ago about how believers need to be awake, not woke. I encourage you to check that out on our podcast channel. All those are there for free. Uh, one of my mentors said recently at a conference where we both shared the platform, said, quote, the last thing the world needs is more sleepy Christians. And sadly, that's what we see is Christians willing to just stick their head in the sand and say, nothing to see here, just uh, move along. But as I mentioned, the Bible reminds us that perilous times will come in these last days as things get worse and worse and worse. Uh, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. I talked about this verse a couple of times already, that people are giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. They have... Their conscience seared with a hot iron. So what are we talking about when we talk about the great satanic reset? Well, the Luciferian elite really firmly, passionately believe that they are on the cusp of finally crossing the finish line into their coveted one world system. Now, Satan, of course, is the one that's orchestrating all this. We've talked about that, how he's indwelled with the Antichrist and doing all he can to... Uh, to advance the, his agenda to, to, to defeat God in this cosmic struggle. But uh, what I'm going to demonstrate and what I demonstrate in the book is that this isn't some reactive plan. This is something they've been really working on for quite some time. In fact, if you go back to the 20, 
to the 1930s and 1940s, uh, people like Alice Bailey, who was a disciple of Helena Blavatsky, were channeling demons. I do document this in the book and even give the name of the demon that they claimed they were channeling, um, in which they were saying that the, 20, the year 2025 was going to be kind of the pivotal year. Now, this was almost 100 years ago, and in 10,000 pages of her writings, and by the way, Alice Bailey's the one who, along with her husband, started the Lucifer Publishing Company. They were avowed Luciferians and Satan worshipers. Uh, but anyway, in 10,000 pages of writings that she published, uh, 15 different times she references, again, supposedly coming from Satan, the year 2025. This was in the 1930s. And in my book, in the chapter entitled The Luciferian Timeline, I, I document a number of references to the year 2025, 2026, 2027, those types of things. So they, this has all gone according to plan. The, the control of virus scamdemic that they rolled out was planned 22 years in advance. We have all kinds of smoke and gun evidence of that in chapter nine of volume one, uh, which is the biggest chapter in that, in that volume. Uh, and, and it shows unquestionably that this was not an organic mistake that happened because of some bat in a you know, supermarket in China. This was a planned bioweapon that was rolled out. And, uh, and so uh, this is something that they are really believing they can bring to fruition in our day. Now, at the tip of the spear of all this is a guy that everybody by now knows, and that's Klaus Schwab. He's uh, the leader of the World Economic Forum. In the book, I give a lot more detail about how the World Economic Forum uh, was founded. But essentially, the Great Reset, which was around before COVID, I mean, this was something they had been writing about and talking about long before COVID. In fact, I have screenshots of their website before COVID in which they have all the same data that they have now, but they went back in after COVID and changed a lot of the headings and made it seem like because of COVID, we now need to do this. Well, in reality, it's classic Hegelian dialectic of they were planning it all along. They needed an impetus to get us to beg for it. So they rolled out uh, the pandemic and then people willingly surrendered their rights and gave up to get uh, the experimental gene-altering bioinjections. But the Great Reset has been the Luciferian endgame for quite some time. Now, one caveat is, remember, we're not suggesting that just because this is what they're trying to do, it's going to happen, right? God is the ultimate arbiter of the timetable. Who knows? He may say, nope, not ready yet. Let's go another hundred years. I don't know. But it hel is helpful for us to know their game plan. It's always helpful to know the enemy's game plan, right? Because at some point, we know prophetically they're going to be right, right? We know that there's going to be a seven-year one-world system led by the Antichrist who's indwelt by Satan. That's a, if you believe the Bible, that's a fact. So it's kind of helpful to know what they're aiming for, especially since everything in the last three years seems to be pointing in that direction, and they're ratcheting it up again and again and again. So everybody is familiar with his book, uh, COVID-19, The Great Reset, uh, in which he outlines a lot of their plans and, and so forth. I'm going to give you some quotes from that in a second. But I just want you to recognize that this is something that the mainstream media is really pushing. Time Magazine had an article back in November of 2020 in which they talk about the Great Reset. And you can tell by the cover picture there, they're talking about redoing the whole globe into this one world system. So the, the man at the center of this is Klaus Schwab, and he loves to appear in his galactic garb. He's a rather eccentric man. He grew up, grew up as a child of Adolf Hitler's Germany. He was born in 1939 or 7. I can't remember. Uh, anyway, it's in the uh, 1938. I was close. 1938, he was born in Ravensburg, 
uh, southern Germany, which is about 405, 445 miles south of Berlin. It's about 100 miles across the border from Davos, where he founded with the help of uh, Rockefeller and uh, Kissinger and some of those other Luciferians, uh, the World Economic Forum. But he was heavily influenced by his father and others who were, again, a product of uh, the Nazi Germany era. So he was a young boy by the time World War II ended. And uh, so he see, saw, it, saw it and lived, lived it out. He is connected uh, to a number of people that will come as no surprise. For example, Jeffrey Epstein, uh, Bill Gates, uh, who is a fixture at the World Economic Forum, Henry, Kessin Henry Kissinger, uh, key person that helped start the World Economic Forum, David Rockefeller, uh, and Al Gore is a huge part, John Kerry, and uh, Yuval Noah Harari, who's kind of his right-hand man. We're going to talk more about him. I've got a couple of clips I'm going to play from him, uh, or at least one, and then some quotes as, as well. Um, but uh, uh, with the exception of Rockefeller, Everyone you see on the screen is still living. No. What's that? Yeah, yeah, as I said, with the exception of Rockefeller, everyone on the screen is still living. Um, so uh, at their annual meetings in Davos, uh, they often have meditation sessions in which they're worshiping Satan and asking him how they can come up with a you know, better world and a, how, how they can control the population better, and how they can get rid of the population better, and so forth. So here's uh, some quotes from uh, Klaus Schwab. The pandemic represents a rare but narrow window of opportunity to reflect, reimagine, and reset our world. He said, at the time of writing, which he's referring to that book, The Great Reset, uh, the pandemic continues to worsen globally. Many of us are pondering when things will return to normal. The short answer is never. Nothing will ever return to the broken sense of normalcy that prevailed prior to the crisis because the coronavirus pandemic makes a fundamental, marks a fundamental inflection point in our global trajectory. Notice, they thought everything the way it was going was broken. National sovereignty, freedom, uh, the masses that are, you know, just useless breathers, as Harari calls us, uh, that was all broken. What we need is, a, is, a, is you know, an elite that can really control things that's smarter than everyone else. Uh, some analysts call this bifurcation uh, of biblical proportions. The essence remains the same. The world is, as we knew it in the early months of 2020, is no more. He goes on to say, to quote some of the other quotes I've already given you from mainstream sources, he says, Pundits have referred to a before coronavirus and after coronavirus era. We will continue to be surprised by both the rapidity and unexpected nature of these changes. Now it gets worse because in his most recent book that just came out last year, he telegraphs it even more. But you gotta learn to kind of see what they're telegraphing. One of the satanic credos is they gotta tell you what they're gonna do before they do it. That's always been their uh, credo. Uh, hard to know exactly why, my best guess is because they love to sit back in dark, smoke-filled rooms laughing at us and think to themselves, see, we told you it was coming, you just ignored it. So they, they tend to bury it in screenplays or movie plots or books and things, and, and, and it's called predictive programming, and you can go back and look at it, but you'll usually never notice it until after the fact. But here's an example of what they're saying. Look, you're going to be shocked at what we're about to do. It'll be unexpected, right? Um, and he says... Uh, 
the, uh, as they conflate with each other, they will provoke second, third, fourth, and more order consequences, cascading effects, and unforeseen outcomes. In other, get, in other words, get ready. We're about to come after you. In his book, The Fourth Industrial Revolution, which was published in 2013, he again is laying the foundation for this. They were setting the stage. A lot of people call this the fourth IR, but he said it will affect the very essence of our human existence. It's basically a techno-tyranny is what they're talking about. Now, the comprehensive blueprint for what they're planning was already out. I know you can't see this on the screen, but you can go to their uh, website and look at it long before uh, COVID ever occurred. They just sort of recast it in the context of COVID. And so he says, to achieve a better outcome, the world must act jointly and swiftly to revamp all aspects of our societies and economies from education to social contracts and working conditions. In other words, we have a window here to finally accomplish what we were wanting to accomplish. And rather than do it by force, we're going to get people to beg us for it and it'll make it go a lot easier. And oh, by the way, time is of the essence, so you better hurry up. So even though after 22 years, we never had and still don't have a vaccine for a SARS-1 uh, virus, we managed to fast track a SARS-2 virus in a matter of months and get emergency use authorization. Uh, imagine that. So obviously the big one of those is this idea of you'll own nothing and you'll be happy about it. And that gets into the central bank digital currencies, which we'll talk more about in just a moment. But uh, you know, this is, uh, this is what they want. They, they want you so indebted that you're dependent on them for everything. And you have no you know, inalienable right to land ownership or any, any type of ownership. Uh, this is essentially the new normal, uh, the new deal for nature, the fourth IR, as I mentioned earlier. And right at the center of this is Klaus Schwab, who's like a, a spider in a giant web, kind of helping direct traffic and bringing it all together. He's certainly not a monolithic leader calling the shots, but he is really the tip of the spear uh, of the Luciferian elite in their plan at this point. Um, so in 2022, he came out with the great narrative, and here's some uh, salient quotes from that book. The pandemic has occurred at a very particular juncture when our economies and societies seem ill-suited to many of the challenges that lie ahead, when the geopolitical and technological landscapes are being reshaped in a way that will make them unrecognizable in just a few years. So again, telegraphing it. Solutions to the major challenges we face do exist and are within grasp, but they will require a great deal of innovation and dramatic changes in our economies and societies, as well as in the institutions, laws, and rules that govern them. Our life habits and modes of consumption will also need to change drastically. Here's, here he talks openly about bringing down the United States. Could cryptocurrencies advance environmental objectives? and the policies that support them, could they be used to accelerate the demise of the U.S. dollar? Disrupt, disruption is coming. It will be both good for us, he's thinking, bad for you, and major. So they've been working to destroy America, again, for the last 120 years. They understood that if they were ever going to usher in the one world system, America is the one nation standing in the way because we have more Bible-believing Christians, more freedom-loving people, more gun-toting people. The, the influence of the Holy Spirit in and through the church had a profound impact on this country for about 120 years or so. And uh, they vastly underestimated how God's fingerprints were on the beginning of this country. Satan's were for sure, but so were God's, obviously. 
And so they got serious about it and they said, we're going to bring it down. And, and cryptocurrencies, which I'll have more to say about in a moment, is one way that they're planning uh, to do that. The fundamental issue of our newfound ability to manipulate life will impact our humanness, challenges, uh, uh, let me start over. The fundamental issue of how our newfound ability to manipulate life will impact our humanness, challenges our beliefs, moral, morals, religions, and politics at their very core, and we are ill-prepared for that. Uh, here he quotes uh, Edward Osborne Wilson, a famous naturalist, and he, when Wilson said, we have paleolithic emotions, medieval institutions, and godlike technologies. In other words, he's, and he, and he, he says, this is Klaus Schwab, commenting on that, indeed, he says. In other words, he's agreeing with this outlook. Well, what is the outlook? Well, our emotions are outdated. Our institutions like marriage and church and national sovereignty are medieval, but our technologies are godlike. We're like a 13-year-old getting behind the controls of a jumbo jet, and we need the Luciferian, can you imagine? And, and, uh, we need the Luciferian elite, the initiated, the adept, to really show us how to fly it. And we just need to let go of our Paleolithic emotions and our medieval institutions and let them fly. Uh, nothing's more effective than the power of narratives, that is to say, developing stories that are both pertinent and convincing to others. Watch this. The, this is the best way to motivate those with whom we interact socially, politically, and economically and to move the agenda forward. What's the best way? To create narratives, to lie, to create convincing narratives that will get people to jump on board and come along. They're just telling you, hey guys, we're going to lie to you, and it's going to be convincing, and you're going to come along. Uh, this is the new golden age, which will require major institutional innovations, and among them, a supranational institution to regulate finance at the global level. In other words, a one-world government. This is the great satanic reset. Now, before we look at a little bit more in detail about all of this, uh, I want to remind you from Psalm 2 that the Luciferian plot is never any man match for the Lord's plan. Okay? God laughs at those who think they're going to win. So it may win for uh, you know, seven years, but uh, it's not going to win ultimately. God has already won the battle. So the question in this final session today that we want to ask is, is the stage being set uh, for this one world system? And I want to start by pointing to the Council on uh, Foreign Relations. Um, here is uh, Richard Nathan Haas, who's been the director of the CFR, the president actually of it, since 2003. Uh, and... Uh, uh, he's, uh, here, here he is with Biden, and then at this uh, meeting, here's Biden, this is at the CFR, actually admitting that he works for Richard Haas. He works for the CFA, CFR. The subject of today is uh, another article in the, uh, in the magazine. Uh, I probably should introduce myself. Goodbye, everybody. Uh, my name is Richard Haas, by the way. Uh, I work here at the Council on Foreign Relations. And I work for Richard. <laughs> and I work for Richard. That would be a little more significant if, you know, Biden knew what he was saying. But, um, <laughs> but still, it is significant when a sitting president says, "Well, I work for Richard. You know, I work for the CFR." Here's uh, Hillary Clinton uh, admitting that the CFR tells her what to do. Thank you very much, um, Richard, and I am delighted to be here in these new headquarters. Um, I have been often to, uh, I guess, the mothership in New York City, uh, but it's good to have an outpost of the council right here down the street from the State Department. Uh, 
we get a lot of advice from the council, so this will mean I won't have this far to go to uh, be told uh, what we should be doing and uh, how uh, we should uh, think about the future. I mean, Rick? Yeah, so we, get, we, we are told how we should think about the future and what we should be doing by the Council on Foreign Relations. Well, yeah, here's one more. Here's uh, Dick Cheney uh, basically acknowledging that his conservative Wyoming supporters aren't really all that happy about his uh, association with the Council on Foreign Relations. It's good to be back at the Council on Foreign Relations. As uh, Pete mentioned, I've been a member for a long time and was actually a director for some period of time. I never mentioned that when I was campaigning for re-election back home in Wyoming. <laughs> I mean, you can't make this stuff up. A notable CFR members, by the way, we have a whole chapter on this in uh, the book that explains the significance of the CFR. I'm just kind of touching on some highlights, but you can see some notable members uh, there uh, on uh, the screen. By the way, uh, when Donald Trump uh, was put in office, uh, he claimed he was going to drain the swamp, and he drained 67 members of the Council on Foreign Relations right into his cabinet and administration. 67, and that's a record. Um, here's Bush, here's Obama, they've all appeared before the CFR. Uh, another thing that I want to mention in terms of the setting of the stage is this idea of transhumanism uh, and how uh, they, uh, this idea of merging bio, digital, and, and, and mankind uh, uh, into this one, you know, being, this, this sort of bio-digital convergence, uh, they call it. Trans, of course, means, you know, whatever you want it to mean. You just put trans right in uh, the front of it. Uh, and I have, in chapters two and three of Spirit of the Antichrist, I have a whole discussion of this, and I'm going to give you just some highlights right here. But what's fascinating about artificial intelligence is this is the Luciferians' attempt to create life, right? The one frontier they cannot and never will be able to conquer is creating life ex nihilo, right? God's the life giver. Satan's the death giver. Satan brought death into the world. He's a killer. Jesus says he's a killer from the beginning, a murderer from the beginning. He loves death. God created life out of nothing. So Satan, if he's going to usurp God's power and become God himself, he's got to figure out a way to create life. So that's what transhumanism is all about. And I did a podcast two weeks ago that was absolutely fascinating, so fascinating, in fact, that I, it's one of the only times in my life I've ever gone back and listened to an entire podcast that I did. But I had a guest on who was just so amazing to me that as I'm doing the podcast, I'm having trouble processing everything he was saying because I'm trying to lead the podcast and so I had to re-listen to it just to catch it all again but it was on chat GPT and the Luciferian agenda if you've not listened to that it was from February 6th so a couple weeks ago at the most uh, I encourage you to go back and listen to that at the not by works podcast channel you can just go to notbyworks.org and click on podcast and you'll see it there uh, but another key uh, player in this idea behind transhumanism is the guy I mentioned earlier you've all know uh, uh, Harari uh, he's a Jewish uh, Satan worshiper who is right-hand man to Klaus Schwab. Uh, he's written a number of uh, books, but he says things like humans are now hackable animals. He says God is dead. It's just taking a while to bury the body, quote unquote. What does he mean by that? Well, any elite, intellectually brilliant people that have half a brain know that there never has been a God, never will be a God. God's dead. Unfortunately, you feeble-minded people sitting here in this church today just won't let go of the idea of God, and, and it's just taken a while to bury the body in that sense. But eventually, mo nobody will 
hold on to such archaic uh, views. He wants to upgrade humans to gods, quote, unquote. Uh, he states that uh, the whole idea that humans have a soul and free will is over. And I'll play that clip in a moment. But here's a couple of quotes. Uh, the future is about developing more and sophisticated technology like AI and bioengineering. He says, watch this, most people don't contribute anything to that. Well, except perhaps for their data. In other words, all we're good for is being giant lab rats in a big laboratory, which is, by the way, exactly what happened in the last two to three years. Um, but other than that, we really don't contribute anything besides our data to be studied. Uh, and whatever people are still doing which is useful, these technologies increasingly will make redundant and will make it possible to replace the people. They want to replace us. They want to get rid of us. He says 99% of human qualities and abilities are simply redundant for the performance of most modern jobs. And by the way, this is not some fringe guy who, you know, speaks to small audiences in breakout sessions at World Economic Forum gatherings. This guy's been all over mainstream news, Fox News, CNN, morning shows, talk shows, even late night comedy shows. He is right now advancing this agenda. He is front and center of the ongoing Operation Mockingbird, although they don't call it that, in, in getting out their uh, agenda. So they really do want to redefine what it means to be human. Here's uh, from Klaus Schwab. The mind-boggling innovations triggered by the fourth IR from biotechnology to AI are redefining what it means to be human. See, Satan knows he can never speak the world into existence out of nothing. So like he always does with language, he deconstructs it. And so if he's going to create humanity, he's got to redefine what humanity is. Because you'll never be able to create humanity in the image of God the way God did. The future will challenge our understanding of what it means to be human from both a biological and social standpoint. You see this again and again in his writings. Although already advances in neurotechnologies and biotechnologies are forcing us to question what it means to be human. See, they are creating God in the image of man. They want to obliterate the imago Dei, what theologians call in Latin the image of God in man. The Bible says God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them, which is why the gender surrender movement, which I address in chapter 13 of volume 2, is so demonic and so horrible because it cuts right to the heart of the imago Dei, male and female. So the Luciferians are pushing transgenderism. Uh, eliminating gender paves the way for what they call the singularity, the final merging of man and machine into one created being. See, artificial life, artificial intelligence has no gender, right? So if they can convince us that gender is irrelevant, then it just paves the way for this new brand of human, redefining what it means to be human. Klaus Schwab, who we've talked a lot about, is an out-and-out -out transhumanist who dreams of an end to natural, healthy human life and community. He writes, uh, again, that uh, the, uh, these uh, technology are, technologies are causing us to redefine what it means to be uh, human. Uh, so uh, this is all over mainstream media. The Wall Street Journal has a whole article from 2020 about looking forward to the end of humanity. Uh, he says in this article, this is Adam Hirsch is the author, he says, quote, eternal life through advanced technology seems like a pipe dream, 
yet COVID-19 may turn out to be just the kind of crisis needed to turbocharge efforts to create what its advocates call a transhuman future. Absolutely, they are calling it that, and that's exactly what they intended for it to be. Ray Kurzweil is a uh, famous transhumanist, uh, kind of the poster child for transhumanism. And um, in December uh, 2012, he was hired by Google. I think he still works for them. And when a reporter asked uh, him, does God exist? He said, well, I would say not yet. <laughs> We're working on it. Leave it to, give us some time. Here, here at Google, we will create God soon. We're just not quite there yet. That's what he meant. Elon Musk, another one that I can't believe how many Christians jump on his bandwagon. He's a huge transhumanist, and he says on tape that uh, soon we will be able to turn you into an expletive butterfly if uh, we want to. Uh, this is because the Luciferians love death. The Bible says all who hate God love death, and they love death. And so they don't have a problem killing human beings in an attempt to recreate human beings in their own image. So, uh, and we also know that, that this love of death manifests itself in their depopulation effort. I talked about this in a uh, presentation that we just uploaded Tuesday uh, this week. So some of this is review if you've watched that. But there was a secret meeting of billionaires in New York City in 2009. It included left to right Bill Gates, Ted Turner, George Soros, David Rockefeller, Michael Bloomberg, Oprah Winfrey, and Warren Buffett. It was uh, news of it leaked out, and the Wall Street Journal covered it. But the whole point of the meeting uh, was to try to shrink the world's population. It was held at the home of Sir Paul Nurse, who at the time was the president of Rockefeller University. The invitation was personally signed by Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, and David Rockefeller. And the point of it on the inside page of the invitation was to consider how we can use our wealth to slow the growth of the world's population. They have been saying for some time now that they want to reduce the world's population to 500 million. So half a billion. What are we at now? 7.58 billion people? That's too many. That's hard for them to control, right? Uh, you know, they see the world as their playground. Uh, we've been gifted some tickets to Disney uh, for this week and uh, appreciate that and we're looking forward to, to going but I, I can tell you uh, I'm sure most of you have probably been to Disney uh, we've been previously in years past uh, would you enjoy that theme park if you had the whole park to yourself or if you got a few million of your closest friends waiting in line to ride you know Avatar or whatever it is right of course you would enjoy it more that's the way they look at the world they want to get rid of all of us that are standing in the way they only need a few serfs to help wash their floors, cook their food, and climb atop these satanic altars and serve as sacrifices to Satan. But beyond that, they don't need very many people. They want us out of the way. And so this is what they're trying to do. That's why Bill Gates famously said in a TED Talk, and he never recanted it, it's still out there in a TED Talk. You can watch the video. He even had a chart. He said, if we do a really good job with vaccines, we could lower the population growth by 10 to 15%. What? I mean, the official narrative is vaccines help keep people alive. At least that's what I thought. But apparently vaccines are actually going to keep people dead, I guess, is what they're, what they're saying. So they clearly are wanting to, uh, to reduce the world's uh, population. Now, I want to uh, play another clip here of Yuval Noah Harari that ought to chill you to the bone. It's actually a compendium of several clips that, that he's been giving in uh, as he makes the rounds on various uh, talk shows. But this is Yuval Noah Harari. And COVID is critical 
because this is what convinces people to accept, to legitimize total biometric surveillance. If we want to stop this epidemic, we need not just to monitor people, we need to monitor what's happening under their skin. What we have seen so far, it's corporations and governments collecting data about where we go, who we meet, what movies we watch. The next phase is the surveillance going under our skin. We now see mass surveillance systems established even in democratic countries, which previously rejected them. And we also see a change in the nature of surveillance. Previously, surveillance was mainly above the skin. Now it's going under the skin. Governments want to know not just where we go or who we meet. Above all, they want to know what is happening under our skin. What's our body temperature? What's our blood pressure? What, what is our medical condition? Now humans are developing even bigger powers than ever before. We are really acquiring divine powers of creation and destruction. We are really upgrading humans into gods. We are acquiring, for instance, the, the power to re-engineer life. Humans are now hackable animals. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. I mean, all this story about Jesus rising from the dead and being the son of God, this is fake news. I know that in recent years, we saw populist politicians undermining deliberately the trust that people have in important institutions like universities, like respectable media outlets. These populist politicians told people that, say, scientists are this small elite. This yeah, so, I mean, some of that stuff is just hard to believe that it's even mainstream. It's so blasphemous. Uh, but that's, that's what they want. They, they want total biometric surveillance. They want to know everything we think, everything we do. They want to, um, you know, you know pre-crime. We've seen Hollywood movies recently in, in the last few years talking about pre-crime, where based on your heart rate, they can arrest you because you were thinking about committing a crime. <laughs> or, you know, uh, it's unreal. Uh, this, is, this is the kind of, they want to replace the brain. It's called brain-computer interface, BCI, and they want to somehow be able to tell based on the different parts of your brain in anticipation what you're going to do, what you're going to think. In the book, I give some examples that they've given in their own writings about how uh, the time's going to come if they have their way, and the Lord tarries is coming, where if I want to write an article for a journal, um, someone you know, uh, emails me or something and says, hey, I'd like you to write this article, then I just say, sure, I'll write it. And then I just sit down in my easy chair and I think about the article for a little bit. It automatically transfers it from my mind over the server to their server, and then they print it. Now, as nice as that would be, I'm not sure I want them having access to my brain, you know, and everything... Uh, that I think, and I don't think you do either. Uh, so this is all part of their plan of co total global control. Remember, Satan is not omniscient, he's not omnipotent, he's not omnipresent. So if he's going to control the world, he's got to have the ability to see everyone and to follow everyone and to track everyone and create this full-spectrum planetary and control. Uh, 
Here's Pippa Malmgren, who's a, a technology entrepreneur. She's spoken at many times at the uh, World Economic Forum. She served uh, in the George W. Bush administration. Uh, she is a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. By the way, her father, Harold Malmgren, uh, I think is still living, but he was a senior aide to JFK, LBJ, Nixon, and Ford. So again, you see this fake right and left paradigm. They're all kind of going back and forth, all moving the train in the same direction. So that's her lineage. And she said, uh, I'll have to say this boldly, we're about to abandon the traditional system of money and accounting and introduce a new one. And the new one, the new accounting is what we call blockchain. It means digital. It means having almost perfect record of every single transaction that happens in the economy, which will give us far greater clarity over what's going on. And as I point out in the book, when she says far greater clarity, I think she misspelled control because that's what they really mean, complete control. They don't want you selling a lawn chair at a garage sale without them knowing about it. And that brings me to CBDC, Central Bank uh, Digital Currencies. This is essentially snatched from uh, Revelation 13, the idea that you have to have the government's permission to buy or sell anything. Now, what's interesting about CBDCs that I think differentiates it from every other candidate in the past for Mark of the Beast type technology is in the past when people were talking about UPC codes or RFID chips or whatever it might be, the ostensible reason for those technologies was something fairly innocuous and Bible teachers and theologians were saying, oh, that could be taken and used for the mark of the beast, right? It was things like tracking inventory or keeping, you know, th those types of things. Well, with CBDCs, they're actually coming right out and saying, in almost a direct quote of Revelation 13, 16 to 17, we want to use the, this technology to have complete control over every transaction you make in life, as the Mongan quote just showed. So to me, that gets my attention. Now, I am not saying that CBDCs are the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast will not come into play till after the rapture, until the midpoint of the tribulation. But certainly, the stage is being set, and they're telling us this is how they want to use uh, this technology. It's, it's a tool of total enslavement. It's a, it involves a completely cashless society, digital transaction system, full spectrum control, planetary surveillance. It's a technocracy, as Vigna Brzezinski talked about. It's programmable money. Um, so they're going to be based on four things. Uh, and I've watched all kinds of uh, videos and read articles about this from the players from the central banks like the Federal Reserve, the privately owned Federal Reserve, and all the other central banks that are privately owned. They're all privately owned of how they're going to roll it out, but they want it to include a carbon footprint component, a social credit score component, a medical status, and a water usage. These are the four things. Everything's going to be tokenized so that they will give you tokens to buy food based upon those four components. And as long as you measure up to their standard, then you get to, you know, buy food. But if you have a big, too big a carbon footprint or you didn't take your you know, blood sugar medicine or whatever, then you're sunk. Catherine Austin Fitz, who I've been following for years, she said, quote, I would describe this as a slavery system. So we're talking about shifting out of freedom, uh, where we have freedom to roam and freedom to say what we want into a complete control system 24-7, including mind control. Technology gives you the ability to institute a complete control system and, and further centralize economic and political Control. She says, if they don't want you to be able to use your money more than five miles from your home, that's it. Your money will turn off five miles uh, from your home. All the major players like the 
Uh, CBDC director at the Bank of England says, quote, you could introduce programmability. There could be some socially beneficial outcomes from that. In other words, we get to control how you behave by preventing activity which is seen to be socially harmful in some way. To whom? I mean, the, the Luciferians are saying it's socially okay and not harmful to, to fool around with whoever you want to fool around with, to mess with your gender and your hormones, to have surgeries, to perform surgery tax-funded, taxpayer-funded on, you know, 12-year-olds. Uh, that's all perfectly fine socially, but if I want to stand up and say Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but by Him, then I'm going to get my digital currency turned off and I'm not going to be able to buy my family any food. Um, this is Bank of America, uh, Augustine Carsons, uh, I'm sorry, head of International Bank, Bank for International Settlements. He said the key to CBDC is absolute control. The central banks are going to have absolute control. Here's Bank of America, Brian Moynihan, who said, we want a cashless uh, society. So this is all part of the digital transformation uh, that involves five pillars, data, har data harvesting, cloud services, AI algorithms, blockchain technology, and ultimately uh, cybersecurity. And if you don't think this is possible, they've already rolled it out in India with the Adhar system. Now, it's not forced upon people, but it de facto is forced upon people because if you don't have your Adhar card in India, you can't pay your taxes, and if you don't pay your taxes, you go to jail. So, no, no, it's voluntary, kind of like the vaccine. It's voluntary, but if you don't get it, you can't fly, you can't go to work, you can't shop, you're going to lose your job, you know, so forth. So they, they make it, they kind of force it on you, and that's what they did there. You can't pay your taxes uh, without it. So it's all part of the Internet of things, creating these smart cities. Uh, Aman Jabi, who's kind of an expert on this, I don't know if he's a believer or not, but he's certainly out front sounding the alarm about smart technology. He says a smart city is just a polite word for an invisible open-air concentration camp. So that's what a smart uh, city is. It's, it's when everything moves to the cloud, uh, just remember the cloud is just somebody else's computer. And in this case, it's Satan's computer. They're the ones uh, controlling it. So, um, again, you know, we're living in a, in a day when, uh, you know, their, their convergence of bio and digital is happening at warp speed. Uh, lots of other quotes uh, in the book, but uh, we're out of time for today. So I want to conclude by just uh, reminding you, of, again, of a couple of uh, announcements and just promotion uh, products that we uh, want to promote. Uh, I mentioned again and again the books. The Lord is really opening doors with these. These are great for unbelievers who are beginning to awaken to the, the reality that this is a rigged system, but as well as believers who want to get more ammunition to understand what's really coming down uh, the pike. I uh, want to remind you about the new DVD series, What in the World is Going On, and remind you, too, about uh, uh, you know, all, all of the things that we have at our store. We did not bring everything that we have here. We just brought one table full, uh, but I encourage you to stay connected to us. I encourage you to come back tomorrow. Tomorrow I've got two shorter sessions. One is called uh, uh, 10 Unmistakable Signs That We're Living in the Last of the Last Days, and then one is called One Minute After the Rapture. But come back tomorrow, bring a friend, especially if you know someone who's concerned about the direction of our country but may or may not be a believer because we're going to give the gospel uh, pretty clearly tomorrow. So thank you guys uh, so much, and we'll turn it over to you to close us out.